said, if there is an opportunity where I feel moved to speak to you for a few, min few minutes, I would. And I feel that as we've come into these opening couple of songs, that, that this time would be now. And so I, you can stand, you, you can sit for a few moments, you can come to the altar and just sit while I teach. Carly's going to continue to play. The band's going to continue to just provide an atmosphere of worship. But I want to talk to you a little bit about something that I think is very, very relevant for this moment. I think that this moment has um, presented itself in a manner because the word has been laid on our hearts to give it. it I, I believe it's going to fit like a glove. So let me, I want to share something with you. As you see revival breaking out all over the land, I want you to re, be reminded today that revival is not a switch, okay? Revival is not a switch. You don't walk into a you, you don't walk into a bedroom and flip on revival like you do a light switch. Light a revival comes from praying and fasting and seeking the face of God and asking for the Lord to move. And then and only then if he deems it necessary to move and to set a blaze and to set a fire and the fire catches and goes up like a big old bonfire and, and you call that revival and that breaks out, that's great. So I always find it incredibly challenging when you know you hear we're going to have revival on Tuesday well if that's the case we should have revival every day in our hearts right okay so what does it take to have revival break out is is that the goal that we're going here the goal here church is to fast and pray and seek the face of God that's the goal the ripple effect the stone that throw in the ripple effect is revival should it break out into the land now the most important thing is is that as that ripple effect is going out, and we saw last Sunday where the altars were full and the seats were slammed, we saw that we had four days of 24-7 prayer. And people came expecting, and, and the word was delivered, and the, and the Lord met us here, and things were prepared, and people came ready. And so what happens when you come to a Sunday, and it's not quite like the Sunday before? Is something wrong? Is it me? Is it you? Is it the walls? Is it the weather? Was it the wind? Did the wind come in? And brush out the, the wind of the Holy Spirit? Of course not. So what I want to share with you for just a couple of moments is this idea of fanning the flame. Fanning the flame. You have to treat your relationship with the Lord and the anointing of the Holy Spirit like a fire. You've got to You've got to put it together. You've got to spend time with it. You've got to light it. You've got to fan it. And you got to keep feeding it. You got to keep feeding it. You got to keep feeding it. And it's going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to grow. And then you're going to have a fire. What happens when a fire is like this spreading out across America? Satan will do everything he can to bring in the craziest, most wet storm of the century to put it out. And this last week, maybe you had a wet season of weather. Maybe something came in and said, I saw you on Sunday and I saw you at the altar and I saw you getting right and I saw you repenting. But listen, let me remind you of all of your problems. Let me remind you of all the things not going right in your life. Let me remind you of all the people that don't like you. Let me remind you of all the financial obligations you're not going to meet. And I'm telling you, we can, if we allow that wet season of negativity, it will quench the spirit. So what do we do? We fan it. And we keep feeding it, and we keep feeding it, and we keep feeding it. I want to share just a moment about that. I want to let you know today that fire often refers in the Bible to the presence of God. 
There are so many different places in the Bible where fire is referencing the presence of God. And what do we do? We fan that flame. We keep blowing on it. We keep blowing on it. We keep blowing on it. We keep getting more sticks. We keep getting more more tender. We keep getting more bundles. And we just say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect this fire. I want to ask you today, did you protect your fire this week? Did you protect it? Did you spend time in the Word? Did you spend time with the Lord? Did you get into your devotions? Did you set time away from prayer? Or did our schedules get in the mix of it again? And did it go out? The burning bush we see in Exodus 3, 2, where the Lord, where God speaks to Moses, the glory of God in Exodus 14, 19, Numbers 19, 15 through 16, all references of fire. We see fire in the visions of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1.4. We see that even in sacrifices in the Old Testament, that was a divine gift from us to the Lord saying, hey, listen, we want to be right with you. Leviticus 9.24. We see God's power displayed in Judges through fire in 13.20 and 18.38. The Bible describes God as an all-consuming fire. We see that in Hebrews. Let me tell you something. When you are consumed with the presence of God, it is impossible not to be changed for life. Think about this for a second. If you start a bonfire and it's completely consumed, even for 10 to 20 seconds, and then you put that fire out, that piece of wood is changed forever. It's impossible. We ask for an all-consuming fire. What is the one thing God charges us in the Bible? He charges us as believers never to let the fire go out. It says in Leviticus 6.13, Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. Your life is a living sacrifice of an altar. It is our responsibility as believers never to let that fire go out. Never let that fire go out. We have to ask ourselves, have we let the fire go out? Is it getting dim? Is it getting wet? Are we stoking that fire? Are we continuing to put coals in that fire? Are we watching that fire? Are we praying over that fire? God, don't let that fire go out. How do you keep the fire going? That's a good question. By the divine gift of the inextinguishable fire of the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Why do we repent? Because we're asking ourselves, God, is there anything in our life that could quench the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself that right now. Say, am I doing anything right now that would quench the anointing of the Holy Spirit? The words I say, the attitude I walk with, my thoughts, my agenda, my will, my desires, my dreams, my intentions. Maybe it's the things that we're unwilling to do. Maybe we're unwilling to forgive. Maybe we're unwilling to forget. Maybe we're unwilling because that person did this thing to me. I'm telling you, church, the reason forgiveness is so hard is because it is. 
It requires us to let go and to let God, to let God move and heal that, that scar, to heal that wound. And I'm telling you, if you hold bitterness in your heart or you're unwilling to come to the throne and humbly come and just be at the altar, we are inevitably, inevitably going to quench that spirit and the fire will go out. And we are commanded to never let the fire go out. I wanna challenge you with a thought. Build your life as a living sacrifice, but build your life as an altar. It says in Romans 12, verse one, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. Can I tell you something? Jesus would rather have you be holy than happy. He's not interested in your comfort level. He's interested in your holiness. Do you choose Jesus every moment of every day, day in and day out? Do you strive for holiness? That is how you continue to keep the fire burning. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Ryan, how do I spiritually worship my Lord and Savior? You live a holy and acceptable life to God by making your life a living sacrifice and altar. How do you light the fire? How do you light the fire? You dig into the word. If you were here this last weekend or if you were here last week or you've been here for the prayer days we've been hosting the last several days, I want you to know the word becomes alive. Prayer meetings become exciting. I was just sharing earlier how easy it is to grow up in a world where prayer becomes more of a religious thing, like I have to pray or God won't like me or God won't love me and that's just so far from the truth. Prayer is exciting. Prayer is time with our Holy, with the Holy Spirit, with our Lord and Savior, with our Heavenly Father. The Spirit is already inside of you when you accept Jesus in your heart. When Jesus comes in your heart, the Spirit comes with Him and the fire becomes to be lit and you begin to read the Word, light the fire by reading the Word and knowing that. It says in Luke 24, 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scripture? Scriptures will light the fire in your life. The last thought is this, fan that flame, fan that flame. I do not find it coincidental that this verse happens to be something that happened today. In Acts 2, 3 through 4, as the believers were in the upper room and they're meeting there and they're waiting and they're praying and they're fasting and you know that they were probably a little nervous, right? They're in Jerusalem. Jesus has just left. Some of them are probably thinking like, hey, I think maybe the, the, the centurions, the Roman guards are probably looking for us a little bit. Do we stay? Do we leave? He told us to wait, but waiting is really challenging when you like, you get a little antsy. And that's why I think just being in this moment and just waiting here, just waiting for the Lord to continue to move and waiting at the altar for God to say something 
and waiting as the anointing comes over our, our heads and our bodies. We just continue to wait. We wait on him. There's nothing wrong with waiting, even though it feels a little anxious sometimes. Don't give in to that feeling. Continue to wait. And it says, as they were waiting, the room began to violently shake and winds began to come in. And they're just thinking, you know, is it a wind? Is it a tornado? You know, and somebody probably said, hey, maybe this is what we've been waiting on. And, you know, and they didn't really know what the Holy Spirit really was or how the Holy Spirit was, was working at that time, but something new was happening. And it says in Acts 2, 3 through 4, and divided tongues, right? Little, 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 little things of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them an utterance. That's what the word says. That's what the word says. Church, let me just remind you to always believe the word over your feelings. If the word says it, I'm going to believe it. If the word says it, I'm going to believe it. Ryan, there's a lot in this, this, this fantastic book that I don't understand. I am with you. There are a couple places where I'm thinking to myself, huh, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. That makes me quite uncomfortable. I'm not really sure. I haven't been raised like that. I don't really feel that way. This isn't normal. And I'm so thankful that Jesus was not normal. I'm so thankful that Jesus was not normal. A normal person wouldn't have gone to the cross and a normal person with that kind of a power would have definitely came off the cross and said like, hey, you guys, have just gotten it all wrong. I've been with you for years. You can't see it. My apostles struggle every day. I'm not doing this, but he stayed. I'm so thankful that our Jesus was not normal. Gave them an utterance and spoke, spoke in other tongues. It's the Holy Spirit moving, saying something. They waited on the Lord. The Spirit came and dwelt on them. The fire erupted. And remember something, please remember this. We pray for revival in our land. Please don't be upset with how it looks. It is so easy to say, I want God to move a certain way in a certain amount of time and I want him to do it this way. And then, and then he moves and it's completely different. We're like, well, I don't really want it the way God wants it. I want it the way that I want it. And remember, that's how the Jews felt too. They're like, our savior is gonna come on a, on a horse and he's gonna come and he's gonna overthrow the Roman empire. And he's gonna come as a man with hundreds and thousands of troops. And then he came as a baby. And it just totally flipped the script a little bit. Remember that the upper room had their experience with the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand it, but they went with it. And then, and only then, then it was Peter that gave his first sermon where thousands of people were saved. It was the after effect. It was the ripple effect of committing and saying, I don't know what this is, but I want it. But I want it. If you want something today, I want you to come to the altar and receive it. That may be kind of nerve wracking, but I believe that this is where we're at. We're going to wait patiently on the Lord. We're going to wait patiently on the Lord today. We're going to wait patiently on the altar. We're going to wait patiently for the Holy Spirit. Prayer and fasting is the oxygen to fan the flame. I want you to remember that. If you are needing to fan your flame, prayer and fasting and reading the word is how you do it. Build it, tend to it, replenish it, no matter the storm. 
You got to take care of your fire and then it will break out. And then we praise the Lord. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to sing a little bit and these altars are open. These altars are open.